Steel Curtain Network. What's up, Steeler fans? We saw Pickens, but not much a picket. And the Steelers lose 20 to 10 to the Jacksonville Jaguars in week eight. Welcome to another post-game show. I'm Jeff Hartman, joined by Dave Schofield and Brian Davis. Dave, what's going on? Well, the Steelers just lost, so mm-hmm. not much good. Now, Brian Davis, what's up? Well, the weather was blah. That's how I'm feeling. That's how the Steelers played, really. Yeah, so let's get this show started like we always do, and that's with knee-jerk reactions. This, you know, the game's over. What is your first initial reaction? Dave, we'll start with you. All right. Well, bottom line is the only thing that kept the Steelers in this game was takeaways. They had opportunities on offense that they just didn't come through. Very first play had an opportunity to do something big, and things just didn't click. Too much slipping. I'm like, my goodness, how many times do you have to slip before you change your cleats? I mean, a, a number of things there. The 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 third element of the game that should never be involved was really involved with this one. Um, almost like they're trying to make a name for themselves because they didn't like Coach Tomlin talking about Kenner. Um, but uh, really, if the Steelers don't have three takeaways, this is th- this would probably be as bad, if not worse, than the other two losses that they had so far this season. That's a good point. Brian, what's your knee-jerk reaction? You had a defense playing inspired. You had an offense going through the motions. And you had an entire team not strong enough to deal with outside interference from officials. That's a good point. I'm going to go with my knee-jerk reaction and say that this team is unbelievably boring. I mean, they are just so boring to watch and it's not i mean the majority of it is on de- on offense not necessarily on defense the defense creates splash plays they did sack the quarterback on this game but i mean i'm, I'm watching the game down here with my kids and it's just like a oh, three and out three and out i remember when i was their age jumping and screaming watching some exciting football i can't tell you the last time the steelers have been deemed like an exciting football team to watch i just don't think that they they're made up that way this game was an offensive just it just was offensively just ineptitude from left to right from the Steelers. And like Dave, like I agree with what you said. If it weren't for those three takeaways, this game would have been so lopsided. It was incredible. So let's start off though, talking about injuries because now the Steelers prepare for a short week, Thursday night football, the Tennessee Titans come to Akershore stadium and they couldn't have more injuries at a worse time. So Kenny Pickett leaves the game with a rib injury. It was after a really awful sequence of football in general in terms of officiating and the way that everything ended at the half. And then all of a sudden he comes, they think he's able to come back. He's not rib injury. Not sure what that means for him on Thursday night. Make if it's Patrick leaves with a hamstring injury. He too is unable to return. Deontay Johnson leaves, but he's able to come back. Dan Moore, same thing. Mike Tomlin didn't talk about those injuries to players that were able to return a lot in his post-game press conference. But Dave, what's your take on the injury status of some of these guys? Yeah, if you were to say, oh, give me even three players, I'd say, well, definitely five, but possibly as many as three players that you're like, you don't want them to to get knocked out of the game, not come back, and possibly not be available for Thursday. You've got two of them from that list. 
and Minka Fitzpatrick and, and Kenny Pickett. And yeah. even on a normal week, you were who knows if if they'd be able to come back because we just don't have the information right now. But the fact that they play on Thursday, that's that's pretty tough. And these next couple games are really going to be the key to the Steelers season. Brian, what are your what's your take on the injuries? You know what? I, I think they're debilitating. You see these guys go down when they, uh, like Dave said, we thought Kenny Pickett was coming back. Me, Minka, I mean, you knew right away that that was a ha- hamstring, and, and we've, we've seen what hamstrings can do. That's not just a quick fix. It, it really isn't. You, you don't see them coming back the very next week, whether a hammy, whether it be a groin. and I mean, it just doesn't, especially on a short week. And can I uh, give my tickets back now? Because I was going Thursday night. And uh, so I'm going to see a whole lot of uh, Mitch and a, uh, and backup safeties. And that's not what I'm really looking for. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say Kenny Pickett won't play. Uh, it all depends. I mean, he was on the sideline throwing now, whether they shot him up uh, with like some pain, you know, a, a numbing agent of some kind, that's a possibility, but and Kenny Pickett's a tough guy. He might be able to tough it out, but I, I we'll see. And if I had to bet, I'm not betting on him playing on Thursday night football. Minka, no, I don't think there's any chance he's playing on Thursday night football. But now all of a sudden that game brings on a different tenor, even though we all kind of thought that this game could turn out the way that it did. The Jags and Bill Jaguars are a good team. They've now won five games in a row. But the one thing that I can't stand, I want to get this out of the way before we start breaking down any players, any numbers, any statistics. And even before we get to any super chats, which we will, we'll get to every single one of them. I have to talk about, we have to talk about the officiating. The officiating in this game, and this has been a talking point of mine on our NFL shows, which you can hear those on the FFS and NFL feed. The integrity of the game for me is being called into question by poor officiating. And it's not that these guys are out there or girls throwing the game, but it brings it into question. And that's a real big problem for me. So Dave, I'm going to throw it over to you first. You can talk about whatever officiating blunders you want from this week eight game. Maybe it's the end of the half situation, whatever, where three points were essentially taken off the board of the Steelers. What was your take on the officiating in this game? I mean, I think universally across a lot of places, even outside people being Steelers fans know that the officiating was not good in this game. There was some criticizing of the officials, even from former officials from things going on in this game, the super late pass interference on James Pierre on the third down. I'm pretty sure that led to a field goal. Didn't it? Yep. Um, But the, the official that was right there didn't call it. The official that that called it from a long ways away didn't even have the angle to see if he actually made contact or not. I'm not saying that he didn't. I'm just saying from where that official was, that's not the angle to make that call or the proximity. And yet they make that call. There's nothing to really say about the field goal. Mike Tomlin summed it up well about, you know, 17 years doing this as a head coach. And I've never seen that, that call. They showed it on the Jumbotron at the game how it really wasn't there. They finally showed it coming back to the second half that that it that he, his helmet was still behind the helmet of the center or the snapper. I, I don't know what they were thinking there other than someone just really trying trying to, to, to make a big difference there. And then I think the other call, the holding call on, on James Pierre that, that gave them a first down 
where I think they were far enough out they were probably would have had to punt. That was another one. He made contact. I They didn't show it on TV. I had to go back and rewind it and watch it a bunch of times. He made contact in the first five yards, and the, and the, and the receiver stumbled, and he stumbled – towards Pierre. So then he stumbles past Pierre, who's not even still grabbing it or anything, and they call a flag on it, basically because the receiver couldn't get his footing on the wet on the wet turf. It was it was bad all around. I still find it ironic that the that the one official who wanted to call who who made the call on the offsides on the field goal was the one that wanted to call the runner down on that play. It did end up being a much closer play than I thought because initially I thought for sure it was a fumble. But uh, just overall, I mean, F minus minus. And <laughs> from grading the officiating, Brian, what was your take on the officials? Irreprehensible. You know, that's uh, did the J- Jacksonville got no calls that I could that I could recognize. And if you could bring one up to me, I'll I'll be glad to eat crow. I, I feel like there was no. I don't believe in home cooking, but this was away cooking. This was a, hey, this was hospitality. Uh, and I, I just don't really get it. The field goal, that's three points. That Three points makes a huge difference in everything. You approach so many things so differently when you have those three points back. And I, I have no idea. I mean, it would have been beautiful justice if Boz could have come back and hit a 61-yarder. Uh, I, I really, I would have loved to have seen it uh, just to knock that off the board. I think that changes a lot of things. I I think a lot of the calls on Pierre hated, but the worst one that I hated was you get a flag, and I thought there was no reason to fl- flag that late hit, that unnecessary roughness on the Steelers. And But then how much more egregious was the play when Pickett got just smashed? I mean, that was a lot later and they don't touch it. So, and it's because, and when I hear a talking head say, well, it's because the way they landed on their side, late is late. Bad is bad. Come on. Yeah, that was the problem I have with that one more is it, it was like they whipped him to the ground on that one. And that's what they really try to take away. So to me, whipping them to the ground and not landing on them is worse than a safety who's weighs less than the quarterback supposedly landing with his weight on. Sorry, Jeff. See, no, it's okay. The problem is the first penalty. It's it's not even. I'm not even questioning like it was a it was Keanu Neal who blitzed and hit Trevor Lawrence. I'm not even questioning that. It's the fact that they flagged it. So once you flag that call, once you flag that hit, well, guess what? You're saying that anything that is that or more egregious is a penalty. So then when the Steelers fan base watches their quarterback who throws the ball into the dirt to try and stop the clock, gets hit, pins his arm down, and then drives him into the, the ground, hurting his shoulder slash rib, whatever they deem it to be, that's a problem because it was worse than what Keanu Neal did to Trevor Lawrence. This is where I'm coming from. I'm not coming from this at a pro Steelers stance right now. I'm coming from this as a fan of the NFL that says, where is where is what is normal right now with these type of penalties, these judgment calls, there is no normal. No one knows. And then you have, like you said, I think it was Brian, the talking heads trying to justify it. They're trying to cover for the league because they're paid by the league. And CBS knows we're not going to run replays. Dave's brought that up a million times with certain calls that they're not going to replay certain things because they don't want to show up the officials. This is why I have an issue with officiating in the national football league. 
is that it's inconsistent at best and it's never even. I don't care what game you're watching. You could be watching Denver and Kansas City playing right now and I guarantee you they're getting, there's just it looks more one-sided by the week. I hate it. I hate that it's a talking point. I wanted to get it out of the way now. Dave, any final thoughts on any of that? In a game where the Steelers just didn't have it and showed how their style of play is not going, you know, it, uh, what, the recipe we've seen over the last several games that, that they've won is not going to work against a high-quality opponent. That should be the story and not talking about officials. Agreed. Brian, any final thoughts on that? No, I, you know, actually I do have a final thought. The Steelers were not able to be, like I said at the beginning, they were not able to overcome this stuff and they had opportunities to overcome the officiating as well. Okay. Let's get to some super chats here. Uh, we had three. Let's get Kyle Smith. He gave us $5 said it's an embarrassment. Trubisky is on the roster. Where are all the Trubisky truthers at? Just as bad as the refs. Kenny is underratedly valuable. We'll talk about the quarterback play here shortly. Let's get also one from Andrew Palladino. Gives us four ninety nine. He says, as bad as it gets, guys, would benefit from another buy. I hate to say it, but the 2023 Pittsburgh Steelers are a really bad football team. Thanks, Yins. Okay, and let's go back to Kyle Smith for another $5. Said another question. DJ can't shush, but the Jags can't steal terrible towels from the crowd, use them as props, and that's not taunting. Uh, it kind of goes back to officiating and and, you know, the inconsistencies of it all. But let's start with the recap. Like we always do for those new to this program, we talk about every single player. We start off on the offensive side and we start with the quarterbacks. Uh, let's go with Kenny Pickett, 10 of 16, 73 yards, 4.6 average, one sack for five yards, a 73.2 rating. Before we go to Mitch, guys, what were your thoughts on Kenny Pickett before he left with injury? Uh, Dave, we'll start with you. Yeah, people that are harping on Kenny, it's not – Let's just say this. His first halves in other games have been worse. Was this fourth quarter – or sorry, second half of the game from last week, Kenny Pickett? No, it wasn't. I mean, the like I was saying to Jeff at the uh, before we went on air, that first pass to Deontay Johnson, was it a little bit high? Yes. Was it too high? No. Could it have been caught? Yes. Could it have been a foot lower? When you're talking about being that far down the field, that's tough. And all these things wanted to do with talking about – about criticizing Pickett, I I just didn't see it. Yes, they had some 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 troubles otherwise, but it's not like Kenny was the one out there slipping and falling on routes and things of that nature. Brian, what's your thoughts on Kenny Pickett before we go over to Mitch? You know, I I kind of thought Kenny was uh, not great, but better than Mitch, and I will definitely say that. And I really thought it looked like he was heating up. It, he looked better in the first. This is one of his best first half games I've I've seen all year. I thought he played so much better. Um, was it good enough? No, because the the points were not there. But I would have loved to have seen second half Kenny, especially because second half Mitch wasn't good enough. Kenny Pickett's play is just, it's as inconsistent as the offense. And that's from top to bottom. That's the play calling. That's the execution. That's the offensive line. All of it. It's just so inconsistent. You just never know what you're going to get. You have a, a really good pass on the very first play from scrimmage for the Steelers. And it goes incomplete. And then you have this same doldrums over and over again. That's another sequence, very reminiscent of the first drive against the Los Angeles Rams, 
where it was a pass to Deontay Johnson, who doesn't go north and south, runs east and west, gains eight yards. You're thinking, okay, here we go. We'll convert on second and two. No, third and two. No, punt the ball. These things are not just one individual. I think we as fans often want to point one person and say it's their fault. Maybe it's Matt Canada. Maybe it's Kenny Pickett. It's not just one person's fault. It's cumulative. So let's talk about Mitch Trubisky, who came in relief after Kenny Pickett leaves, throws for 27 yards on 15 attempts, or 15 completions on 27 attempts, 138 yards of 5.1 average, uh, threw for a touchdown to George Pickens, was intercepted twice, was sacked two times, a 51.2 rating. Dave, thoughts on Mitch? I mean, it's kind of what you're going to get sometimes coming off the bench. You hate to say that, but I, I think back to the Baltimore game last year with the three interceptions. Basically, there was one drive moving the ball, made a you know made a nice throw on the on the touchdown. Not like it was an extremely difficult one, but just not enough to get the job done for the Steelers. It's almost like. Like, oh, well, sometimes Kenny needs the first half to warm up. Well, Mitch needed a, a half to warm up as well. And to, together, you only got a half each. So it was yeah. it was not obviously not good enough to get the job done, but didn't really even give him a chance. Brian, what's your thoughts on Mitch? Uh, you know, two interceptions. There was a part of me that when he threw that last interception, I never really count those heaves into the the end zone as interceptions. I, I kind of like, I wish the stat keepers would take them away, but today I didn't because he got away with one that was dropped. He re, he was throwing uh, that one interception that he threw was terrible. And the second one they almost threw was really bad. He, and, and when you're a lot of those 15 completions were those all at the end of the game, the, that short stuff. When he tried to do something significant down the field, it it wasn't significant. Yes, does he have a touchdown pass in this game? Absolutely, he does. It was uh, Pickens did a lot of work on that, but he still gets credit because he you know he throws it. But there was nothing uh, nothing down deep, no, nothing really mid range. It was all this really dink and dunk stuff that gave him the fifteen of twenty seven. Otherwise, it was a pretty bad game in. It was a game that he still could have uh, at least tied for the Steelers and given him a chance in overtime. Yeah, so, I mean, Mitch Trubisky's play wasn't much better than uh, Kenny Pickett's in the first half. And uh, the Steelers, and his his yardage even was aided probably most by uh, the dink and dunk philosophy in the fourth quarter when they're down by two scores and they're just kind of giving these little dump offs to Jalen Warren and Najee Harris. Let's get in our super chat here before we move on to the uh, running backs, et cetera. Tom plays games. Tom here gives us $2 says Mitch crap the bed. He can't win. It can't be the quarterback on Thursday night is I think what he wanted to say. Uh, yeah, I get that. I, I totally get that. So we don't know what's going to happen on Thursday night as it pertains to the quarterback. And I wouldn't be shocked if Tomlin keeps his cards as close to the vest as possible and makes people have to, prepare for both. Brian, what are your thoughts? I, I got to say this real quick. So in the early game in Green Bay and Minnesota, Kirk Cousins tears his ACL. So what makes this whole performance even worse for the fact that you come in, Mitch comes in, and now with Kenny, you're not sure about his ribs, you don't have the ability to pull off a trade sending Mason or 
sending Mason away because you need him so much more because of how Mitch looked in this game. There's a lot of people calling for Mason, and I get it. But there's no way that Omar Khan is going to deal one of his quarterbacks where Minnesota could have been a place to go ahead and send one because of a season-ending in- injury to their quarterback. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I just I just got that notification on my phone that I didn't realize that Kirk Cousins are seeing an Achilles. He ruptured his Achilles tendon, so that'll be. Uh, I saw that he came out, oh. and even though the even though Minnesota won the game, they were like not celebrating in the locker room or anything afterwards. So I knew it was something bad. Yeah. I'm sorry, I said ACL. I no, that's okay. No, that's all right. Um, Dave, what are your thoughts on anything? Yeah, uh, I was just real quick going to talk about the the first interception by Trubisky. Um, people were like, that was in triple coverage. That was in triple coverage. Yes and no. Trubisky saw that both guys that were on the inside were on the inside. So he, I mean, sorry, or were on the outside. So he threw it to the inside, but you just didn't. The whole reason those two guys were on the outside was because there was someone else on the inside that it was like, you didn't even see the guy that intercepted the ball to know. So you can say, yeah, it was, it was quote unquote triple coverage, but he felt that Deontay had space on both of them to the inside, but he did for a reason because there was another defender there. So yeah, that's really kind of what happened there. So all right, let's move that, on but that's what's going that's what happens sometimes. You just miss those when you don't get a lot of work and stuff with everything. That's why having a veteran backup is supposed to work for a team because when you come in, it's you've been there, done that before. But man, to, to not see that guy, that's not good. Let's move on to the running game. The Steelers finished the day with 70 yards rushing on 18 carries, a 3.9-yard average. Jalen Warren, 5 for 19. Mitch Trubisky, 3 for 18 on quarterback scrambles. Najee Harris, 7 for 13. Kenny Pickett, 1 for 10. And Calvin Austin, 2 for 10. What's Charles' thoughts on the running game? Uh, Dave, go ahead. You can start. Okay, now it's time for me to bust out what I was tracking all game. I'm sorry, but... People want to blame stuff on the offensive line, on the running backs or whatever. I am i don't like to just constantly be on the same kind of train. And it's not like the play calls were, were terrible in the first half. But my goodness, you can't have it to where every time you're in shotgun, you pass. And every time you're under center, you run. That's what the Steelers did for the first quarter. Six shotgun plays, six passes. Four under center plays four runs. And in the second quarter, they when they were in shotgun, they they passed it 12 of 14 and I'm counting when the quarterback scrambled as a pass because it was supposed to be a pass or if he gets sacked. Okay? When they ran it on those two plays, they got 3 yards and 1 yards. And when they went under center five times, they ran it three times. They ran two play action passes, about 16 yards and 6 yards. But on every single one of those, They refuse to break script until they get a first down. If they don't get a first down, they will go, they will run out of shotgun. I'm sorry. They will run out of under center. They will pass out of shotgun. One play, one play the whole, the whole game where the Steelers had not gotten a first down on the drive yet. It was where they got the five yard penalty in the fourth quarter. Did the Steelers break away from that script? Once now, I'm kind of throwing the fourth quarter numbers out because they were in. I mean, the only time they were under center the whole fourth quarter was to spike the ball. Other than that, they were shotgun the whole time and they ran once. Okay, but that the game dictated that. But even in the third quarter, they lined up in shotgun 12 times, 
passed it 10 of them. Under center four times. They did pass two of the four, but both of them were incomplete. You're basically saying what you're what you're doing, especially early in the game, especially fourth quarter, sorry, first quarter, to tell the other team if you're running or passing it. How can that be your scripted plays? How can that be your scripted plays? That every time you line up, one way or the other, you do exactly what you're telling the team to do. How can you run the ball like that? Yeah. If you just if you're only going to hand the ball off when you're under center, when the quarterback goes under center, just send everybody out. Well, not only that, I mean, no, no disrespect to you, Dave, but if you, if you can figure it out, now you do have an experience with coaching and you did play the game, but still, if you sitting there, you're tracking this, don't you think that the advanced analytics that go to the NFL coaches, they see it too. So yeah. it, it's almost like you're for tipping your hands. So now we're kind of merging into play calling, which we'll get there though. But the, but you're saying, basically, how, how you're can basically you get a run game going doing that? You right. can't. They had... No hope. They had no prayer. I get it. I get what you're saying. Brian, go ahead. And the eligible number 77 is eligible. Everybody knows what that means, too. They did you know, run a play action one time. They did. But but yeah. still, the, there's, there's not much. And that leads me, when you say that, Dave, that leads me to also think, what is the problem? Why are you not seeing more Darnell Washington even as a blocker? Because remember, we talked about this on draft day. You do not, if you bring in a guy like Darnell Washington, maybe he's not good enough. Maybe they see something in practice that they don't like. I don't know. But all I know, you don't have to play that game. You don't have to announce a guy as eligible. You don't have to tip your hand when you have somebody as big as Darnell Washington out there to go ahead and have him line up. I'm going to, I'm going to say this since we brought up Darnell Washington, and this has been my MO with Joey Porter jr. With uh, Broderick Jones. And I'll ask you this, Brian, who replaced Darnell Washington when he's not on the field without Pat Fryermuth in the lineup? Rodney Williams. Right. Or, or so in my opinion, he got two so, targets, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And he didn't catch either one of them. Probably should have had two, but still. So Hot Rod gets the call. He's in there as that second tight end when Connor Hayward's not being used. Is Darnell Washington that bad that they can't use him in those situations? Because if the answer is Hot Rod is way better than him, well, then that's a, that speaks volumes about your draft pick. But if it's like, well, no, they're about the same. Why are you not using the guy that you selected in the draft to at least go out and gain experience and to cut his teeth that way. If what you're seeing ahead of him is no better. It's the same argument I had with Dan Moore when they went back to him after the bye week. Hey, if, if, if Broderick Jones is a rookie is as good as Dan Moore is now, then play Broderick Jones and give him the experience. I just don't get it. I agree with you hundred percent, Brian, the running game is non-existent. And a lot of it, as Dave mentioned, was by design. So let's go to that offensive line. Let's talk about that. Let's get that out of the way before we go to the pass catchers here. What were your thoughts on the offensive line? They surrendered, uh, let me see here, three total sacks. The Jacksonville defense had nine quarterback hits. They were, it was a rough game for, for the offensive front, in my opinion. I thought Mason Cole had one of his worst games in terms of snapping the ball. A lot of Aaron snaps to the side, low People want to poo-poo the fact that the quarterback was able to corral it. It throws the whole timing off of the play, the footwork of the quarterback. Dave, you're the offensive line guy. What was your take on that group today? Uh, you pretty much said it well already. Well, Mason Cole, the low snaps, that's that's concerning. 
uh, for sure. But once again, I don't think they're being put in a very good situation. Yeah. I don't. I really don't. It goes right back to what I was saying before. The running backs aren't being put in a good situation with that. The the offensive line isn't being put in a, in a very good situation with that. When the other team gets can get a jump on knowing what you're doing. Now, at the same time, look at all those first-round picks on, the, on Jacksonville's defensive front. I didn't expect the offensive line to go out there and tear it up today. But I expected them to do better than what they did. So in all, I would say not, not good, but I don't think that was their problem as much as other things. Okay. Brian, what was your take on the offensive line? You know what? I'm, I'm really agreeing with Dave on this. I don't think they're being put in great situations, but at the end of the day, you have, you have quarterbacks getting sacked. You have, I, I know that's, you have a lot of ones and twos on that other side. You know, that we knew that this was going to be a tough team to run against. We, we kind of knew that, but still there were opportunities in this game like crazy. The defense kept you in the game. The offensive line could have held some blocks. They could have done some more things, but it was very predictable. And I don't think, uh, just like Dave said, I don't think they were in good position at all. Yeah, I mean, I kind of already spoke here. I forgot about this uh, super chat here. I want to get it on the screen. Steeler D gives us four ninety nine. Says thank you for the breakdown, Dave. He's talking about your stats and the shotgun versus under center. He said that's why there are no false defensive steps. They know what's coming. I agree, yeah, hundred percent. I agree. So let's let's finish with uh, the pass catchers. The Steelers had Deontay Johnson led the way with eight catches for eighty five yards. Did not hit pay dirt. The streak continues. Najee Harris, five for 42. Almost all those were on that final drive. Connor Hayward, five for 24. George Pickens, one catch, which was a 22-yard touchdown on five targets. Calvin Austin, the third, two catches for 19 yards. Oh, Deontay Johnson was targeted 14 times, by the way. 14 times. Jalen Warren, four for 19. Allen Robinson was targeted once, no catches. Rodney Williams, twice, no catches. What are your thoughts on the pass catchers here? We've already talked about slipping a little bit. Offensive play calling. Dave, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I have to go back and look at it. Bad might know what it is, but there was a streak that ended because how many straight games has throughout his career has Allen Robinson caught at least one pass in every game that he appeared? It it was a lot, and he didn't he didn't get one uh today. What was he the one? Was he targeted on the interception or was it Deontay? I, I, I don't know. It was on the it was it was Robinson on the interception thrown into triple coverage. Yes, I said Deontay earlier, and I I I, I think so. I messed that one up. But yeah, the the receivers. Other than I was getting frustrated, I'm like, why is Deontay Johnson still wearing the same shoes if he's going to continue to slip? Um, because that cost them in several cases. So that that's one thing that that I don't get in this day. And it, if you're allowed to wear those kind of spikes and you're continuing to slip, then do that. I, I know I I was involved when I was coaching. There was a big controversy because you weren't allowed to wear spikes that were a certain length in high school. And a team actually won a playoff game where they had they had great great footing, and the other team was slipping all over the place. They found out that partway through the, the game, they had only illegal spikes. All it was was a 15-yard penalty, and the coach got wasn't allowed to coach in the next game. But it was it obviously changed the outcome of everything. So those kind of things are crazy. But in the NFL, they don't have anything like that that I know of. So why not get the right footwear out there? But uh, in all, 
I, I'm sure George Pickens was was getting frustrated, but they were – he was being – from what I understand, he was being bracketed the entire game, and they were kind of letting them throw to, to Deontay Johnson more than George Pickens. They the, they made a conscious effort of George Pickens is not going to hurt us. And what did he do? He When he had his one catch, it was a touchdown. Yep, that's a good point. Brian, thoughts on the pass catchers? You know, I, I really don't feel like the pass catchers who I have uh, been on their bandwagon all year long. I thought this was their worst game. I don't think that they did anything to help like they usually do. And I, I would I usually rank that position group pretty high for the Steelers. But today I'm I'm thinking, no, they were uh, they they were not good. They were below average. And. I'm going to bring this up. I uh, I love the athleticism. I love the heart of George Pickens. I do not love the hot dog in George Pickens. And I, I'm going to say this. Look, know where you are in the game. There's plenty of times to celebrate. There's plenty of times to taunt. He didn't ta get caught for taunting today. That's not what I'm saying. But when you make a beautiful grab on the sideline, be aware. Get back. They so that the preening and celebrating and and uh, play it off the crowd, lifting your hands in the air. That's for a walk off. That's for the win. Get back into the huddle. Jacksonville had a play that they got back right away because they thought that it might be uh, it might be reviewed. So they wanted to make sure that was off. That was done right away. This fooling around, and I don't want to sound like an old guy, but get back there. Do stuff. I mean, this has got to be even and consistent. And when I say even and consistent, I'd like to see George be a little more team than the M.E. in team. I get it. I get it. Hey. I just, for me, the, the pass catchers, I just want to see a wide array of players being utilized. So Calvin Austin, the third, what did we say when he enters the field now, since Deontay Johnson's back red flag, Hey, number 19's on the field, get ready for something. Well, they finally started to use him a little bit more in this game, but it still wasn't enough. Allen Robinson held without a catch. Dave mentioned he had a really long streak. I forgot. I sometimes I forget Allen Robinson's even on the freaking team. He doesn't get the ball thrown to him that maybe he can't separate. Maybe it's kind of, maybe he's, he's kind of beyond that stage of his career. I don't know, but at the same time, you have to wonder. Then you talk about Darnell Washington, the lack of uses there. It, it just, it's mind numbing to me. And I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to sit here and claim to know enough to say it's a play caller or the quarterback or the player itself, meaning the pass catcher that's at fault here. But man, it is just think about Pat Fryermuth when he was healthy. Well, what was he doing? They weren't even targeting him. It wasn't that it wasn't get, catching passes. He was dropping the balls, running bad routes. They weren't even targeting him. They weren't even using them. It's frustrating. It is frustrating. So let's finish this offensive up, offense up with everyone's favorite topic, and that would be Matt Canada. Dave, you've already kind of alluded to some frustrations with personnel and groupings. What was your take on the offensive play calling? Yeah, I didn't think it was that that awful which is funny because it's kind of the standard we're, we're developing into when it comes to, to to judging it it's not like they were some complete bonehead 
play calls, my bigger problem isn't the plays. And it's been this way for a while with a few exceptions. It's the it's it's what you call out of what formations and personnel packages is that the team, you know, the defense has a better opportunity to stop what you're doing because you're 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 stuck in a rut. You line up in in this formation, you're going to do this. Now, granted, there's a lot of things you can do in the passing game when you're lining up out of shotgun. This is just basic, basic stuff that you could even break it down even more. I feel that you you have a, too much of an idea of what's coming, which just makes it too easy to defend. So I think I I think it's a more it's not the in it's the formation that that's really really bugging me. You know, you need to show one thing and do something else. They're just not doing that enough. So I would say it, it's not like they were they were doing some some knuckleheaded things, but at the same time, in the second half, when you're just trying to deal with your backup quarterback coming in, it's really hard to even judge that one. Brian, thought on Matt Canada the play calling? It could have been overcome. It's it is what it is. It's going to continue, and it is nothing. There's nothing that he could do to make it better. The Steelers are in bed with Matt Canada for the rest of the year. We know that, but they are not willing to change. And if they are not willing to change, it doesn't matter who the individual is that's not willing to change. It will just mean stagnation for the rest of the year. And I, I hate to say that, but. This there is some stubbornness to this organization. I'm not saying whose stubbornness. I don't. I I think it's all around. I I think there's a my way or the highway mentality with so many different people in this organization, and I I, I just feel like the it's insanity, and it's doing everything wrong and not being willing to change it. So th this is it. I'm I'm not I'm done pointing the fingers at just art too. I'm I'm done pointing the fingers at Matt Canada. Matt Canada Matt Canada was Matt Canada. There's nothing that was done to change anything and four and outs, I mean three and outs four times. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's what we're going to get. That's what you're going to see. And and it's everybody, but it's the fact that you're willing to let this man continue to put on a headset, then everybody's stubborn and everybody's at fault. What are you going to say, Dave? It's, it's a results determined. I, I say it all the time. If <laughs> um, it, now I can't find the words I'm looking for. The result of what happens is basically what you're judging everything on. That was a great play to open the game it very well could have gone for seven i don't know if they could have caught him or not Dante Johnson, they probably they you know it would have gone for a lot it just didn't happen that was the right play to open up with because probably because they they saw something that they wanted that, that they thought they could go after and it was there but they didn't execute it it's just it's still everything has to mesh together and when you're this far into the season things should be meshing together better than this yeah i mean you look at the offensive numbers under matt canada for as long as he's been calling the plays they speak for themselves and it's really really bad i mean you could talk about the streak of not having 400 yards of offense i mean we could literally run down the gambit of those numbers i don't want to do it again but you know we have more pressing needs to discuss so what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break only for those on the audio side if you're watching live on youtube facebook or twitter we're not going anywhere but for everyone else on the audio side 
We'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. All right, Steeler fans, welcome back. We talked about the offense and the play calling, and trust me, there was a lot to uncover there. It's time to talk about the defense, and I think maybe one of the biggest question marks that we need to discuss at the very towards the tail end of the show, so make sure you stick around. Let's talk about the defense, though. Defensively, let's talk about the past defense. Talk about Trevor Lawrence and his numbers. He finishes 24 of 32, 292 yards, 9.1 average, one touchdown, one interception, he was sacked three times with a rating of an even 100. Uh, you talk about, you know, rushing the passer. Uh, Landon Roberts finishes with one and a half sacks. Highsmith gets a half a sack. TJ Watt, a half a sack. Armand Watts, a half a sack. And they end up with six quarterback hits. So let's talk about getting after the quarterback to start. Guys, what were your thoughts on the pass rush? Dave, we'll start with you. I mean, that's kind of what the, the Steelers do is – is rely heavily on the pass rush. The the thing that got me, did did you look at the quarterback hits? Yeah, six. Okay, that's what I was gonna say. Early on, when the Steelers had had two sacks, they only had three quarterback hits, and they were all and, and they were all with the two sacks because the half sacks they each give a full quarterback hit to the player. You know, right. and so so you've got the same thing with with TJ with TJ Watt and Armand Watts. I'm trying to sit here to make sure that that's. That's how 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 it's done. So you're talking about the only quarterback that hit they had outside of the sacks was Armand Watts had another one. That's it. So they they when they got home they got home, but they they didn't really have a lot of quarterback hits in this one. So I really don't know what to say about the pass rush. I'm not saying it was bad, but also. It wasn't good enough. No, no, it wasn't. And uh, yeah, well, I'll let Brian talk first. Go ahead, Brian. What's your take on the pass rush? Yeah, it's really weird because I did not think that uh, Trevor Lawrence was that special with his stats until I heard them. I was like, wow, because the eye test, nothing looked perfect. I mean, he's a very good quarterback and you know it, but watching that game, I felt like he was being harassed in a lot of places. I think he's a guy that knows how to get out of trouble. I really liked what the Steelers were bringing, but Dave's absolutely correct. It was not good enough. TJ Watt, I'm not sure if he's uh, 100% healthy, not that anyone is at this stage of the season, but they they put him on an island a couple times with that rookie right tackle, and the rookie right tackle did okay. I'm still kind of wondering when Alex Highsmith is going to show up and actually have a breakout game. We've seen TJ Watt do it a bunch with a lot of attention thrown his way. Highsmith does a good job. I'm not saying he isn't, but at the same time, when you're paid the way that you were this offseason, you do kind of hope for that game where you're like, wow, Alex Highsmith had three sacks or two and a half sacks or anything like that. He hasn't really had that moment yet this season. I'm hoping that it comes soon. It will only help the pass rush and help TJ Watt opposite him but he's going to have to start winning some of those matchups. I thought the the pass rush was okay, but like Dave pointed out, the quarterback hits, that number might be uh, slightly inflated. We'll put it that way. Okay, let's talk about the pass defense. We already went over Trevor Lawrence's numbers. The Jacksonville receiving core, uh, they had Evan Ingram, 10 catches for 88 yards. Calvin Ridley, 6 for 83. Travis Etienne had three catches for 70 yards, including a 56-yard touchdown. Christian Kirk, 4 for 46. And then when you look at pass defenses, Demonte Casey has one, 
TJ Watt has one, and that is it. What did y'all think about the past defense with Joey Porter getting his first career start? Dave, go ahead. Yeah, they missed Minka. Yeah. I mean, the the touchdown they gave up, only touchdown they surrendered was, you know, Jim, you kind of saw Joey Porter Jr. buckle to step up at a moment that he should have, shouldn't have. But where was the safety? The safety was not where he was supposed to be. Both both players were stepping up to take the short pass with no one to handle the deep. That Co- Coach Tomlin said it after the game, a miscommunication. I th- that's that makes sense based on on what you saw out there because there should not be two guys up for you know going going for the for the short pass and no one over the top. So they missed Minka. I just it just didn't seem. Right, it seemed like they avoided Patrick Peterson a lot until the towards the, the later part of the game. Um, I, I didn't see him getting involved in much at all until later on. But the just you give a team enough time, and they're going to find a find a way to to get there to to get it done in the passing game against the secondary. And when I, I don't right. mean enough yeah. time, meaning meaning in the pocket, meaning far enough into the game. I get it. Brian, what are your thoughts? You know, Kirk, always open. Ridley seemed always open. Evan Agram had a fantastic game against this team. It just, it, it seemed like even when you got him in the third down situations, they would come up with ways to do it. So if you ask me about the pass defense, horrible. Just horrible in this game. Would have loved to have seen what Minka could have done to change all that. And I'm sure... Uh, I'm sure at least three incompletions if Minka's in that game. I it was on, on Twitter. It was funny. I, I put out there that why is the defense look like they're chickens with their heads cut off before the snap? I mean, they, they're literally running around. Everyone's pointing at each other and they're shuffling and all this stuff. And someone commented back to me and said, they're, they don't have the guy that normally gets everyone lined up. Minka Fitzpatrick out there. And that's like, that makes a lot of sense. You know, Mink is normally the one that sets the entire secondary. He gets everyone lined up. Hey, here's what we're doing. This is what they're thinking. He's a ridiculous film freak when it comes to studying film. Yeah, they missed him big time. And like you said, Dave, that play, Joey Porter bit on it, but at the same time, he was expecting help over the top. And I think KZ was trying to intercept the pass. That, that was just dreadful, just dreadful. So th- that is the fragility of the Steelers, though. When you think about it, like, one mistake where the defense feels like they have to play a perfect game just to give their offense a chance. That is the fragility of this Pittsburgh Steelers offense right now. And and really the team in a whole. So let's finish this up talking about um, the rush defense, which continues to be an issue. The Jacksonville rush, uh, they ran for 106 yards on 30 carries, a 3.5 average. And I, again, I felt like it was worse than this. Etienne rushes 24 times for 79 yards, a 3.3. Trevor one for 10 tank Bigsby three for nine before he had his fumble and exited the game. I felt like the Jaguars were running the ball really well and they just got away from it. Dave, what were your thoughts on the run defense? What's crazy is that the Steelers had a better YPC. They had a better yards per carry than than Jacksonville did. There was a few times that they were able to get some runs and some outside runs. You got to look though. There was a lot of times where the Steelers were stuffing them at the line of scrimmage. A lot of times they were stuffed into the line of scrimmage, but 
then Jacksonville would turn around, complete a pass, and you would completely forget that the defense did that to set it up. So that's why sometimes there are good stops against the run kind of brought it all back. I mean, Alex Highsmith made that great five-yard loss there towards the end, things of that nature. But against the run, they didn't – That honestly, they didn't do all that bad against the run in this game when you really look at it. It's – but – they were able – Jacksonville was able to run the ball enough that you still had – and have the lead to, to, to have that still continually be a threat throughout the whole game. Brian, what's your thoughts on the rush defense? I thought it was one of the better performances out of the rush defense in all of 2023. And, you know, I, I realized that there were a lot of plays here and there, but I like what Dave said about, you know, the uh, they would go ahead and complete that pass and then – they're allowing them to run more. I think the Steelers rush defense took it away so much more than, uh, but they were allowed to get back in it after the pass defense, let Trevor Lawrence and uh, his crew back into this game. Well, not, not back in this game, but back into rhythm. Yeah. It just seems like the Steelers are getting gashed by the run. And that's a problem. It, it, they're, they're, the offense is able to set up manageable down and distances, but you know, the uh, the defense did their job in terms of getting the ball back. Dave, correct me if I'm wrong. It's the first time the Steelers have not – they have won the turnover battle and lost the game, correct? Correct. Okay. That's why and I say – I mean, they only won it by one when you think about it. But yeah. that, that there's been other games they won it. But this is the first time they won the turnover battle and lost the game. But really winning the turnover battle here, like I said before, just kept them – kept it from being a blowout. Yes, Absolutely. All right, I, I have to bring this up before we get to final thoughts and, and all that stuff. So we all talk about like coaching ineptitude. We talk about issues within the coaching staff. You guys, at, at what point does this at what point does this fall on Tomlin is is a question that I have. And I want to give you get Charles thoughts. I mean, it, the fan base in its entirety loves to say, like, oh well, you know, it's it's Canada's fault. But at what point does does this run all the way up? And Brian brought up Art Rooney. Fair enough. But Mike Tomlin, he does deserve some criticism for the way that this team has played. Dave, what about you? What, what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, bottom line is I still think it, the the problems with the Steelers are more on offense. And, yeah, they're ranked in the 30s for both offense and defense. But somebody, somebody said it. You know, T.J. Watt gets the sack, a three-point play. Well, I guess it was him and Armand Watts got credit for it. Initially, they gave it just to TJ. But it's a three-point play. Takes them out of field goal range. But three plays later, the defense is right back out on the field. Right. It's They're asked to do so much and, and absorb so much constantly that, the, to me, and people are like, oh, it, it's not that the defense is good enough. But at the same time, if the offense actually complemented the defense a little bit more, I think you would get better play from defense as it went as the game went on. So you really need to do something with that offense. And I don't know what Mike Tomlin has to do to go in and 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 he's the head coach. He has say over everything. But most fans realize he's a defensive coach. He's probably going to get his hand more into the defense. He's got to he's got to get his hands into the offense more, or flat up just have better people handling the offense because it's that's that's where I'm putting the majority of this. When you go out there and you just can't get first downs at all, it's 
what do you what's the defense supposed to do? Knowing that the first quarter you're not even going to get a first down, and that you and that it's your job to make sure you're sticking around. That's that's too much to ask every single freaking week. Yeah, Brian, what's your take? There comes a point when you allow the inmates to run the asylum, then you know what happens. Then you're at fault too. There's a lot of stubbornness to Mike Tomlin, and you know I. I talk every single week about how much I love Mike Tomlin and I've been blaming Art Rooney the second a whole lot, but I also, uh, I also believe that, that on this whole Matt Canada thing that I don't think is Mike Tomlin's fault. I still think there's a way to push that issue. If, uh, if you have a good relationship with the owner, just to say, Hey, who are you back in here? And there, the stubbornness drives me crazy. I feel like things aren't changing and I feel when he's asked about it that it's there's a lot of deflection, and I'm getting tired about of the deflection. Um, should Mike Tomlin be fired? In my uh, honest opinion, you know, he should not be fired. But I think he's accountable for a lot of this stuff. Even though this is a four and three team, I think this is a four and three team that is uh, could very easily be looking at four and seven real soon if they don't fix things up. So as a head coach, I don't care if you've been the head coach of a high school team or a college or, or hell, even if you've been like a, a pop Warner coach, everything falls to you. It falls at your feet. And whether it's the success, whether it's the struggling of a unit, it all falls at your feet. And that's what I have to keep reminding myself. Cause I'll sit here and say, Oh, mad Canada is the worst and he's awful. And he stinks. Like my gosh, that's a reflection of the head coach. That, that is on the head coach. And so, no, we've talked about this, and our sources have said that Tomlin wanted Canada gone, and yet he's still here because of Art Rooney II. Whatever, at some point, Tomlin's got to use some of his clout, which he, which he obviously has. And he's got to say, look, we got to make a change. we got to do something. That doesn't mean you fire a midseason, but you've got to do something different. Did they have a first down in the first half, Dave? Uh, in the first, Oh, yeah, because they, they had um... – they had the long drive that ended in the field goal. That's right. But none well, I mean, in the first where they, quarter. Where they got the ball at the two-yard line. None in the first quarter, though, right? No, none in the first quarter. No, they didn't we'll have talk- – they, they only had one drive in the first half that they had any first downs. <laughs> we're, we're talking about a, a NFL team, an NFL offense, that went an entire quarter of football and got the football to start the game that didn't even get a first down. And we're not even talking about not scoring points. We're talking about they didn't even get 10 yards of offense. At some point, something has to change. You can't just keep bashing your head against the wall. And if it does, this is when the fan base is eventually going to turn on everyone. And they're going to say it's not just fire Canada chance. And that that kind of is just in vogue right now. It's going to turn to Tomlin. It is. It's going to happen. I'm not saying that Mike Tomlin should be fired. I'm saying that accountability falls at his feet. And at some point, he's got to answer the tough questions. And sometimes you have to make the tough decisions as the head coach. And I want to see something Something change, not change just to change, change because it's absolutely atrocious. Like this isn't like okay, we need to move some play calling around because well, Matt Canada is not fan favorite. No, it's because the offense sucks right now, and you got to make some changes. And we're also seven games into this thing. Dave, what do you, you want to say? Yeah, um, I think the problem is with the defense. Not <laughs> after I no. just said it's not even <laughs> the, the problem is the relying on the defense because the Steelers know that the defense is the stronger unit. They're 
they're treating their offense like the Duck Hodges quote after his first start. He didn't kill us. The Steelers feel that if the defense is good enough, that if the offense doesn't kill you, you'll be able to be around and be in games. And what does that create? A conservative offense. There's people in here, and one person probably said it about 16 times. Everyone wants to make a deal. Oh, Will Levis threw for four touchdowns in his first game. He threw for four touchdowns. Do you want to know why? Because the Titans don't have anything to lose. I mean, the Titans were trying to figure out if they were unloading their players ahead of the trade deadline. So they and that's the whole reason they started Levis and not and not not Malik Willis because they were actually at the point of their season. They're like, let's might as well see what's going on out there because if not, we're just we're are we going to just be sellers? So they put out their rookie quarterback, and you know what they didn't do? They didn't hamper him. They didn't worry if he threw interceptions. They just put him out there and and said, "Go for the jugular. Just just do it." Are, are we going to see that? Would we see that from the Steelers' offense? No way. No way. That's not what they're doing. And what the problem is, all you're trying to do is stick around close enough to win games. At what point are you going to say, "Hey, we've either got to actually get going"? see what this offense can do or realize that it sucks so bad we have to blow the whole thing up. This is the whole idea of, you know, sticking around. And I know Tomlin doesn't care about the 500 record thing like the fans do, but that's really what's going on is that you're stuck with that because you're not even willing to take a chance with your offense because you're so afraid that it's going to screw it up. That's why someone like Will Levis can throw for four touchdowns. Do you even think they would put – I'm, sometimes I'm surprised they aired out even as much as they do. I really am because of 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 because it just feels so conservative and not. It's almost like their offense is playing defense rather than actually playing offense. Brian, any thoughts on that? No, nope. I'm ready to move forward. <laughs> All right, let's finish this up with some final thoughts since we've talked about this game. Dave, I'll let you go. Go ahead. Oh, I get to go again? Good, because my final thoughts are going in a different direction. Okay. Guess what? Hey, Jeff, uh, what, what was your score prediction in this game? 23 to 20 Steelers, yeah. How many points did the Jaguars score? 20. Did the defense do enough to win the game? Yes. That answers a lot of questions. Okay, I did not expect the Steelers to win this game. I was looking ahead at the schedule and said, hey, if they're going to have one, this is the best team that they play for a long time. I don't know that they can pull this one off. But, of course, <laughs> it's so funny. It's so reactionary. And, and we actually get criticized for our level-headedness, Okay. The Steelers lost the game to a good opponent. They didn't play. They only scored 10 points. Their quarterback got knocked out of the game. Yes, it's bad. It's, I, I didn't expect them to win this game. But it's either this team is great and you're insane if you don't pick them to win every single game and you're not a really real fan, or if you don't come out here and want to burn the whole thing down and fire everyone and bench everyone and trade everyone and cut everyone, then that's your problem too. Okay, I'm sorry that we sometimes that we just bring a more level-headed approach. I apologize for that. But if that's not the type of fan that you are, I get it. But you know what? The Steelers have a big game on Thursday night now, and it's a quick turnaround. So the the thing that 
yes, you're like, oh, man, Will Levis, they got to go up against him. He just threw four touchdowns. That's right. But you also got a rookie quarterback on a short week. Let's see how that works out. We don't know what's going on for the Steelers with their quarterback situation. So there's a. I don't feel nearly as good about Thursday night as I did 12 hours ago. But that's just the nature of the NFL and how things go. But it's not time to burn it all down because guess what? The Steelers come out win the next two games. The, the you know what? Fans were upset that we're calling for fifteen and two because now they can't go fifteen and two. The best they can do now is fourteen and three. So there's a lot of warts on this team. Sometimes they can win through them, and sometimes they can't. Especially when it was up, up against such a good opponent. And as I said when we did our staff picks. Doesn't mean that the Steelers can't get to a point this season and grow to a point that they can that they can play with teams like this. I just didn't think they were at at a point of their growth this season to beat a team like this yet. So for the people that say, "Oh, this just goes to show they can't win the playoffs and they can't te- beat a team like that," they don't have to beat the Jaguars in October. It would be more important to beat the Jaguars in January. They've got to continue to grow, and you've got to even. Through the wins, you've got to grow, and through the losses, you've got to grow. Now you've got a loss that should be more room for growth. Bring on Thursday. All right, Brian, final thoughts. When I was growing up in the 80s, I watched a lot of quarterbacks. I watched the end of Terry Bradshaw. I watched Cliff Stout. I definitely watched Mark Malone. Watched David Woodley in there, Todd Blackledge, Bubby Brister, there was even a Rick Strom sighting too. And that was some of the worst offenses that we've ever seen in Pittsburgh Steelers history. This offense is worse. They, those offenses, as bad as they were, they got first downs. They scored over 20 a lot. They were so – I mean, we came off the, of the uh, 70s and we're like, oh, all right, no, this is – this is horrible. This is really bad. No, I would take those offenses over what we're seeing right now. The stubbornness is killing me. And I, I'm going to say that there's so much stubbornness here. It is killing me. It's not willing to change or not even look like you're willing to change. Mike Tomlin is a ride or die guy. And I'm not talking about Jeff's ride or die crew. <laughs> I don't believe he's in the ride or die crew. Probably I not. think I think he's a ride or die guy and he's dying right now with this entire situation. It's a good way to put it. Good way to put it. Uh, I want to get this super chat up here by Afton before I forget Afton Ford gives us $2 as I share your frustrations. Let's see improvement. Yeah. I, I want to see the improvement. I also want to see it in a winning performance on Thursday night football. Uh, we know that, and Mike Tomlin said this after the game, we got to turn the page. We have to move on. We don't have an option. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, Mike Tomlin's going to speak tomorrow, Monday. Is he not? I expect him to. I haven't got an official release of that yet. Okay. So I think that he, his press conference goes to Monday because they have to practice. They have to get ready for Thursday night football. It's going to be a really, really chaotic week. It always is here at steel curtain network. We're going to keep you up to date on everything in terms of our schedule. Um, I'll probably lay that out for everyone on Let's Ride on tomorrow morning, which, by the way, if you don't listen to our podcasts that are not on YouTube or Facebook or streamed on Twitter, make sure you do search Steelers wherever you get your podcast. You'll get my Let's Ride podcast Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Brian's Bad Language, Dave's Stat Geek, and so much more all on that audio-only feed, so make sure you check that out. But, guys, that's it. 
20 to 10 Steelers lose to the Jaguars. They got to turn the page quickly. We're right there with them. We can get this taste out of our mouths real quick with a win on Thursday night and then have a mini buy. So in the meantime, for Dave and Brian, I'm Jeff. We will see you on Thursday. Well, actually, Brian won't be because he'll be at the game. Dave and I will be back on Thursday night after that Thursday night football game. We'll see you next time. Take it easy. Everybody else gets a little tight.